Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is emerging worship. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Llewellyn, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, as we were trying to come up with a topic for this week, I stumbled across the terms postmodern and emerging worship on the ELCA website, and I have mm-hmm. absolutely no idea what they mean. <laughs> I mean, I could take a stab in the dark, given the postmodern, but seriously, what do these mean? They are descriptive terms that describe kind of the worship that we are experiencing, actually, in a lot of different settings now. Okay. Since the turn of the century. It's not any particularly... Like the 2000s turn of the century. Correct. Okay. And in some ways, I think that it's somewhat relative as far as people experiencing postmodern or emerging worship. There's definitely congregations who explored it differently in the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And felt very strongly about these particular words and what they meant. And in the early 2000s, um, 2000 to 2010, big, huge words had massive impact and really influenced many congregations who were looking to find different ways of being. I would say that during a time when the term worship wars was starting to come about. I don't even know what that is either. Well, worship wars were, it was kind of this idea of, are you going to be traditional or are you going to be contemporary or are you going to be postmodern emerging worship? Okay. So traditional, I understand. Mm -hmm. Contemporary, I'm pretty good with. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to go to what, how is this different than those two? It depended upon the interpretation of the congregation in my experience. Okay. And we should be clear that this is all from my experience, that I'm speaking out of my experience of postmodern slash emerging church cultures on the West Coast through living through being trained and experiencing this on the West Coast at the turn of the century. Okay. And it really depended upon the congregation how it ended up being interpreted. So for example... My congregation in California, where I was a member and a ministry and contact student, my teaching parish, we were developing an emerging worship service that was coming into life around 2001, 2002, and like launching really heavy in 2004. We were developing it, dreaming it, coming up with a theological stance and reasons for it to exist separate from the normal Sunday morning service. And we commissioned new chalices for it. I went shopping and purchased a whole bunch of different fabrics from some really awesome stores in the Bay Area in order to find ways to decorate and ways to change the look of the sanctuary so that it didn't look like the traditional everyday look of the Sunday morning sanctuary. And 
we created a worship service that was like peace PM. Okay. It was a nighttime service. It was peace postmodern, right? Uh-huh. And it was peace at night. And we had lots of candles and lots of experiential stuff. And the texture of the room felt different because it was in the evening. The music was different. The music was more contemporary. We did work in some more secular music. We did have, you know, a very different feel to the service. It still stuck with the gathering word meal sending order, Mm -hmm. but it did have a very different feel to it. It was more participatory. It was more mm, sensory based. Okay. Kind of sticking with things you smell, things you touch, things you feel, things you taste, right? You try to get into all the different kind of senses. And, you know, even the new chalices, we were very specific about not wanting golden metal, right? We wanted the clay chalices and we wanted them to look like the color of the floor, kind of the sweeping colors of the floor. So, we were very intentional about all of those kinds of things. And I think that was part of this sense of postmodern and emerging worship is this sense that I would say that in my experience of it, the conversation is trying in some ways to blend the best parts of traditional with the best parts of contemporary worship. Mm -hmm. And in its ideal, it tries to create something that is uniquely blended of the two. The part that people, I believe, find incredibly powerful about contemporary worship is this sense of emotionally based music that is singable and experiential, that taps into rhythms or beats of our hearts and of our bodies and the chemicals within us that help us to feel emotions and give us permission to feel emotions in a culture and a world that often don't allow that, particularly for multiple genders of our community. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it gives us space that is safe to experience emotions and safe to feel and express things. And By creating a music or a pattern that is accessible because of the repetition, because of the tunes that are hearable to our modern ears, because it echoes what we hear on the radio, Mm -hmm. it's accessible. People can participate. So they get to be a part of something. I think that that is part of what pulls people's hearts into contemporary worship and People long to be a part of that kind of experience with a group of other people. We long to share story with one another. And we long as human beings to have permission to feel our emotions. And contemporary worship offers that across ages and across genders. And I think that is distinctly appealing. Traditional worship also appeals to human beings and that it gives us these roots. There's something about traditional worship that digs down deep into these practices that we have been doing for centuries. Mm -hmm. 
And whether you have ever participated in it or not, you know that being in a place that has been consecrated as a holy site, that lighting a candle, there's something about our bodies that understands that thousands of people have lit a candle in this consecrated spot before. And that action connects us to our history and it feels important and it feels grounding and it does something for us spiritually. And our traditional worship offers that to us. But there's also so many ways in which our traditional worships create inside and outsider and create these, you need to know the patterns before you can fully participate and the music is harder because it doesn't use the intervals that we're accustomed to hearing anymore. And so when we have something like postmodern or emerging worship, we blend the two together. We have the historical pieces, the pieces that your spirit is going to know connect you to those that have gone before us for centuries. And you have the parts that allow you to participate even if you've never done it before. And it puts it all together into this very rich, very experiential, very mystery-based, very holy worship service. It is a lot of work. I can't even imagine. Every week, every service is a lot of work. Well, and I'm going to be honest, I'm somebody who is more on the traditional end, and I think that's pointing directly at my Catholic upbringing, mm -hmm. in that most of your services are going to feel more like your McDonald's, which is what I love about the tradition, is you go to a Catholic church, you know what to expect. Yep. Where does Adiophora come in all of this? Because this all sounds like the smells and bells weirdness that you're like, but it doesn't really matter, right? It yes. should just be... The words that are being said, right? That's such a great question. And for those who have not been with us through, you know, 375 podcasts, the word adiaphora is a favorite word. It's a word that means literally the things that do not save us. Mm -hmm. The parts of our worship that are not salvific, that don't matter. The stuff that doesn't matter. If you sing Amazing Grace or if you sing My Chains Are Gone, which is a contemporary version of amazing grace with extra words thrown in. Neither one of those saves you. Mm -hmm. It's just different words. Whether your cake is baked with flour or whether your cake is baked with oatmeal, it doesn't matter. It's cake, right? These things are not salvific. Mm -hmm. Adiaphora. So it's all adiaphora. It's all about presentation. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is why... I don't participate very much in this conversation. I have to be honest. I participated plenty in my early years, right? When I was in my training, it was very much a part of my training. Mm -hmm. In my first call, I helped create uh, an emerging worship experience that at my congregation in California, we launched an emerging worship service. At my congregation in Medford, we launched an emerging worship service. And I was pivotal in helping to create multiple parts of those experiences because I have a theatrical background. Mm -hmm. I have technical capacities that can help understanding how to use tech to enhance worship. And 
create accessibility for it. I have set decoration and set design that I can help to create a backdrop or prop design that I can help to create tools and items that can help enhance a worship service. So I have capacities to help bring some of these things to life. And I have not continued on this conversation or kept my foot in this door as I have continued in my ministry, particularly over the last 10 years, Mm -hmm. because it's Adiaphora, because it's not going to save us. And my wondering, my curiosity about this movement is how much of it is because we are afraid of facing the reality and the truth that the church is changing. Mm -hmm. And that the church as we know it and understand it is actively dying. And instead of facing that, we are trying to find new ways of doing and being church in worship rather than trying to find new ways of being the church in service to our neighbor. It's easier to flip the house, so to speak, than to actually do some deep soul searching. Well, it's easier to paint the house Mm -hmm. than it is to sell the house. Mm -hmm. It's far easier to renovate the interior than it is to sell the house and move. And so I don't know that that is fair. And I will say that as someone who has wondered and watched I know that a lot of the reason for wishing for emerging worship is to try to draw people in and to try to bring new members in. When I did my doctoral work on evangelism, Jesus wasn't about bringing people in to him. Jesus was always about going out and serving other people. Jesus was always about being with others. And if people came to him and said, where are you? I want to be with you. Jesus would say, come and follow. Sure. But Jesus went to people. Jesus didn't try to make them come to him. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that our answer to our worries and to our fears is to make a new, cooler, prettier, painted surface. That's my bias. That's my bias. It's so, I, it's, I don't know. I feel apologetic in some ways, but I shouldn't feel apologetic. I should just stand where I stand. Emerging worship can be really cool. It can be not like, hey, that's cool, man, but like it can be Mm awing. It can be a very powerful experience. And I don't think it's the answer. I don't think it's the answer to the questions that are plaguing Christendom at this time. Does it have to be the answer? Can it just be simply another tool to use? It can simply be another tool to use. I think part of my frustration with it is that it's it has been in my time proposed as an answer. Mm. And so there's a little bit of a, well, you know, if you were doing it this way. Mm. And so I get a little, a little tired of that. I can imagine. What have you seen as a pattern in terms of the pastors that you have come in contact with? Because I know you've got friends in the biz, as it were. Mm -hmm. 
is it something that is like a Midwest thing, a Pacific Northwest thing? Uh, nobody's really doing it anymore, or is it still very much a thing? I've fallen out of the conversation so much that it's hard for me to answer that well. I think that it is still out there, but it is less than it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. The emerging church conversations were really big 20 years ago, and there was a big network for it. And I know that there was, you know, a training academy and there was a big push for it at it that time. It sounds mega churchy. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't been invited into those conversations. My senior pastor was. Uh -huh. When I was young, he was definitely invited into it. I was not. Um, I know some other guys have been invited into it, but I, I have not been. And so I think that there's some wondering, but I have not looked into it enough to be able to make any educated assertions. The other thing that st stuck in my mind as you were talking about it earlier is that it was a lot of work. Um, yes. Is this primarily on just the pastor that it's a lot of work or are you talking it takes a lot of people? It takes a lot of people. Well, there's your problem right there because there's simply not as many people in the church. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, that is part of the fun of it and part of the challenge of it mm -hmm. because it takes incredible musicians and it takes incredible artists and it takes, you know, people who are coming and sharing phenomenal skills on a regular basis. And that's really hard to mm -hmm. capture and to have on just a weekly basis over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is a lot of work to be that creative consistently when churches struggle to pay people at a fair and equitable wage and to ask for the kind of level of work and creativity in a time when we are seeing artists not be fairly compensated, I think that that also puts a big dampener in the capacity to create this kind of a service ethically. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. If you could pick one aspect mm -hmm. of emerging worship mm -hmm. that you would love to either sprinkle in to worship or do more with, what would it be? Would it be more of the visuals? Would it be more of the music? Gosh, I I think it would be both of those. Some of the visual stuff, some of the textile stuff, some of the music. Um, I do really miss that opportunity to play and be creative, but it is really hard to come up with that kind of stuff and do that on a consistent basis. It is a lot of work. And if you don't already have the supplies and the materials, it's a big investment to get started and to have people ready to experience it. And depending on the scale of your room, mm -hmm. like Central Lutheran, it's a huge room. If you want to have fabric that actually has an impact, you're talking dozens of yards of fabric mm -hmm. to make an impact in that room. That's so expensive. So... Finding ways to do that sort of creative participation uh, is more and more challenging. 
But yeah, it is fun. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about emerging worship. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you have a favorite memory of this kind of a service, or if you have another question or a suggestion of another topic, please reach out to us. We can be reached at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.